So I'm here with Kevin and Mike from uh, Pull String, which is uh, here in downtown San Francisco. And you guys reached out to me last week. I knew nothing about you. I was wondering, you know, first of all, Pull String is a really unique name. I'm interested. I went to the website and looked into more of what you guys were and what you're doing. And it's hard to believe, but there's people out there that are just staying incredibly busy working on this type of work, which, you know, I guess, how do you guys summarize what Pull String is and does? Yeah. Um, so we are Pull String, formerly known as Toy Talk. I'll just call it out right now. Yeah. Um, so for the last three years, four years plus. Um, as Toy Talk, we have been working on a combination of art and science to accomplish conversation with characters. Um, that's really our main uh, focus. And so we've been working on a, a host of different ways to express that craft. And we really try to think about it as truly just a new form of entertainment, um, conversing with characters that can hear you and, and speak back intelligently. Um, and the implications are kind of wide in terms of how we might go do that. So we've we've put our efforts into that um, very heavily the last few years. We've had some great partners that have wanted to get involved, and we've released Hello Barbie, and um, we have many other things in the works. Um, so we have some owned and operated stuff and some partner stuff, um, but it is all based around the notion of conversa- conversation with characters. Yeah. Well, I mean, for a company that I guess was started in 2011, it seems... Was this comp- would this type of project, this type of company, be possible any time sooner? Or I mean, like, you know, what was it about 2011 and even today now that makes it possible for what you guys do? Yeah, um, I think it's, that's a great question, um, and it's still something that's it's super developing. So, um, the AI, the AI capabilities and the speech recognition speech recognition capabilities in our industry are just developing so rapidly. And at that time, 2011, 2012, it was just barely becoming possible. Yeah. For you to say, what if a character could talk back? What if we could successfully put something on screen that could hear you, understand what you were saying, and then respond intelligently in a coherent fashion? I mean, I'm thinking of like Tickle Me Elmo level. Yeah. Like, oh, yeah. Like press a button and it'll make a noise. <laughs> yeah. But this is not the case at all, what you guys are doing. Yeah. Um, you know, because we're doing what the, the expectation that comes along with it is that people have Siri on their phones now. And right. They, they can simply say anything they want to Siri, and Siri will have something to say back, intelligent or not. Yeah. Um, so the idea, f- from our standpoint, and a lot of our early DNA was from Pixar, mm-hmm. um, you know, they wanted to create, sort of our, our founders here, really wanted to create a rich character experience with that notion of, well, what if a character could could talk back? And so there was a lot of story, a lot of character development, and... Um, and a lot of curation in terms of writing great, great material and mm-hmm. engaging audiences. And in particular, especially when we were Toy Talk just until recently, mm-hmm. um, and this is a bit of a transition point for us, we were really focusing on a younger audience. And what would it be like if you're, you know, it, theoretically, what if Buzz and Woody could talk back? What if Elmo could talk back? Is a yeah. great example. Um, and we were more interested in writing the first characters, and we still are very interested in, in pursuing it, writing the very first characters that will converse with audiences and engage audiences in that way, using that platform. Yeah, I mean, it's something interesting to think about, just kind of the expectation now from kids. When they have iPhones, they have devices that have more interactivity than anything that we ever grew up with. Yeah. So their expectation of what a toy is, is so different. I mean, I mean, you know, what have you guys found is kind of like the the learning curve for, obviously we're not, we're not, we're not the demographic that maybe would be playing with these nine to five during the day. So what did you guys learn you know, over, over the years now? We've learned a lot. Um, well, first off, what's interesting, and, and I don't want to butcher the, the story, but um, 
the the whole notion of the the company, I believe, was one of Oren, our CEO's children, simply saying to Oren at at a, some point, um, you know, why doesn't this character on my iPad talk back? Like, why can't I talk to this character? Mm. Um, and certainly, like I said, I probably just butchered that story to a large <laughs> extent. And Oren would and probably has yeah. been interviewed telling the story, but um, but that notion was really the catalyst. Is why why wouldn't that be an expectation of children? Why wouldn't that be an expectation of everybody that a device or a character would would speak back? Um, and so that was sort of the the aha moment for Oren and Martin to say, well, let's go do that. Let's go see if we can do that. Let's yeah. see if the technology will support um, that idea and if the industry is ready for that idea. And we've seen that change and we've seen the industry really respond to that. Yeah. And audiences, as you said, um, kids have, have really... Um, they've really engaged with it. It's something that um, we've seen really long sessions. You know, kids will talk to our characters for 15 minutes. They'll talk to our, our characters for an hour. Um, There's a little girl that said that all the rest of her dolls are really weird because they didn't <laughs> talk. Yeah. Yeah. That was one of my favorite reactions to Barbie was, was that in particular. Yeah. It's creepy that I think she said something to the extent of yeah. it's, it's kind of creepy that the other dolls don't talk back. Like they just stare at yeah. me blankly. I mean, there's an, as- <laughs> there's an aspect here where we're talking about just the functionality of conversation, but then AI in terms of like the kid is another difference of what it can and can't do. Yeah. So for you guys, how do you draw those lines? What, what are the restrictions? How wide? Cause if you have a Barbie, it's like, I can't imagine the conversations that a kid's going to have with a Barbie. So yeah, I mean, they're very, um, they're very imaginative. Um, you know, it's everything from uh, let's pretend to go, you know, ride horses. Let's talk about our favorite colors. Let's talk about our favorite food. Let's talk about our favorite activities. Um, there's uh, stories that they can tell together. And, and um, you know, Barbie will ask, uh, you know, she'll start a story and then say, what would you like to do next? And mm-hmm. what would be a fun thing to go do? Um, so in particular with the Barbie franchise, the conversation was written extremely thoughtfully about sure. how to make that character um, appealing, of course, and safe and fun, engaging, and to not um, pigeonhole Barbie into any stereotypical conversations. So like just, Malibu Barbie. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, what's interesting is that she's had so many jobs, so many careers. That's yeah. one thing you could go do, and you could just talk about that for days. So um, our writers did a, a fantastic job in collaboration with Mattel to like really bring some fantastic uh, conversation um, and it's over 8,000 lines deep so that's that's where, that's where I want to start so yeah. you guys are partnered with Mattel so Mattel is really leaning on you guys to come up you guys you guys as the audio you know director and designer yeah. are responsible for capturing the performances obviously editing pretty much delivering so much of the assets of what, what this is going to be so what is your interaction with the writing what's the writing process like how do you guys determine like I said how, how wide to go or you know what it looks like yeah. Um, so in the case of Mattel and Barbie, um, all of the dialogue um, recording and editorial actually happened offsite. So we weren't mm-hmm. actually hands on with that. That did come through and we did all the QC and we went back and forth with a lot of audio parameters and standards about how that thing should sound and how it yeah. should act. And we were very involved with um, the hardware development and, um, and you know, certainly the loudness conversation. And there was there were a lot of aspects technically that we were involved with. Um, and our writers, uh, all the content was pretty much written in-house. Um, so so that, for sure, when it comes to owned and operated and things that we've done um, in terms of developing the dialogue and the VO um, for our projects, um, yeah, that's an interesting process because when we're developing new characters, 
um, our writers will cast that net super wide um, and try to figure out um, what would be engaging to mm. to talk about. And then the challenge in recording and editing it is, um, you know, inherently just making it contextual. So if you're having a conversation um, and, and you want to believe it, then that character sort of needs to be, they need to have heard you regardless of what their next response is. So sure. if, it's, if it's a canned response, <laughs> yeah. how, do, how do you make that sound like, a, you can't make it both yes and no at the same time. Um, so there's a lot of... Um, there's a lot of fallback responses that we've sort of come to rely on. And then there's, and then there's just depth. So there's the idea that somebody, a user could say virtually anything and we have a response for, you know, 75% of it. Mm -hmm. And we have sort of fallback content that helps get them back on a track if we weren't able to catch that exact response. Um, So our writers have been working on that process for four years um, at least. And so they're really good at anticipating what a user might say. Um, and what our, how our audience might engage. And one of the neat things about us being in the cloud, too, um, with having our content on the cloud, which it does with all of our existing um, apps, is that uh, we can tweak that stuff after the fact. So right. once we see that our audience is, is sort of leaning this way or that way, yeah. we can write content around that. Um, It'd be great if you could just like time it to like what's happening that week, like, yeah. like, like SNL, The Daily Show, and just like... Talk about the elections, yeah. Yeah, yeah. topical conversations. <laughs> our first, our first offering, uh, the Winston Show. Actually, we definitely did that. Um, uh-huh. Yeah, we were always trying to hit. We hit all the holidays. We stayed away from politics, obviously. Sure. Um, Barbie but, on politics would be <laughs> fantastic. Pretty, pretty amazing. <laughs> yeah, I'm assuming she's she's pretty great. And where does she lean? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, no comment. No, no comment from. Um, but yeah, so for us, um, you know, that's a big challenge, and and for the talent, um, luckily we are fortunate both on the writing side and on the voice acting talent we have both in-house yeah and they're just so good at um making you feel like they hear you and that really is our main job um in creating our our dialogue and, yeah. and giving that impression that you're being heard and engaging somebody in the next in the next line the yeah. next conversation so it's different than just uh, an exposition of story um it's very much trying to bring you in all the time and trying to keep you engaged and um you being the user. Yeah. So w- with some of these different outputs and kind of vehicles to get you guys work out, what is the workflow for you guys? I mean, because obviously you're going to capture the best quality here, but what's the reality of how the experience is on the other end? What, you know, what's what's the reality of what they're hearing? Yeah. I mean, well, so far we've been um, mostly on iOS. We, we're on mm-hmm. Android as well. So we have, we've been on that wide range of devices. So um, in terms of our audio export, I mean, we're on mono, we're on stereo, um, output, speaker configurations. Yeah. Um, we kind of never know what we're going to be in the hand. So like many um, offerings, uh, you know, often suggest, you know, put your headphones on and that's yeah. where you're going to get your, your best experience. Um, so we do our best to uh, curate the audio for for anything. Um, and so intelligibility, you know, just like in any other context with dialogue, whether you're talking about film or games, mm-hmm. you know, getting that level of intelligibility is super, super important. So we go to great lengths um, in, in the audio department to, you know, produce, we capture great performances that really read well. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, we hand mix every single line. So it doesn't matter if our product has 5,000, 10,000, 20,000 lines. Um, Mike and I will go in and hand mix everything and make sure that it reads super, super well. And, um, you know, we try it. We have to, we're up against the, the compression um, as well. So the, there's sort of the obvious, oh, we'll just compress it. So no matter what, mm-hmm. you'll hear it. We're going to hear everything <laughs> at the exact same volume. It'll be awesome. And mm-hmm. you'll have, you know, no performance. Um, but we certainly don't want to do that. So, um, we try to be as disciplined as we can um, from a storytelling standpoint and from a 
from a character standpoint to really deliver dynamic performance through our um, audio deliverables. But um, yeah, compression can be a big help as well. Yeah. For, for you, Mike, what, what do you find in terms of the workflows of knowing of what, I guess, what you're up against? What, what can you say that's the different, unique about this type of work in terms of designing? I think, I think honestly, the clearest, the, 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 the clearest mix that we could possibly get yeah. um, right up front, best performance right up front, everything that we can do to kind of throw it into into the full mix of everything yeah. that we have. But the the level of, of quality control that it goes through here, I think, helps us in that. I mean, it's always, it's always a challenge on, on mobile, right? And in, yeah. in any small devices, it's always a challenge. But the level of, of quality control that it goes through here is... It's incredible. And I can assume because so much of the work that you guys are doing is based around audio, there's only two of you, but yet there's a whole nother room here full of other people. You said writers and imagine producers and other aspects supporting you guys. But yet at the end of the day, everyone's really looking to you to deliver the vision. So how how is it conversing with the other departments? How do you find in terms of people's experience and backgrounds? Do they understand necessarily all the details and process you guys go through? Yeah, we're very fortunate. Um, here at Polestring. Um, it's pretty great. Um, it's, it's, it's rare to have a a team support you in that way and not to think of audio as a second class citizen. Um, it's so common for the audio to just be, I think that's added later or considered a decoration on top of your visuals. Um, it's, you know, and, and we all know that. Um, but, um, this is a very, very audio forward company and, um, that's a gift for us. We can, we're very, very supported. Um, animators know it and, uh, the writers obviously, um, know it and appreciate it and um, and all the leads. So that's actually just not been a challenge here. And that's just a wonderful thing to say. It's just <laughs> not been a challenge here to to have to fight that fight. Um, it's always open. It's always open. So anybody's got an issue or can't hear something or feels like something is performed yeah. not right, you know, they can come right to us and we can always iterate on whatever comes through. Yeah, which is one of the great parts about being in-house at a small company is um, it's it's really common for us to, you know, iterate on the fly with an animator and, and having, if, if we, as, sure. as the, you know, it's not something that a gift, uh, it's not, it's not a gift that all, um, audio people have is to be able to walk up to the animator and say, Hey, it would be really cool if the character leaned back from his chair and kind of yelled in the, you know, to the background. Um, but that's what I heard in the booth today. Mm-hmm. Do you think that you could do that? And they're like, yeah, let's do that. Yeah. yeah, yeah. That's yeah. a really, that's a really cool thing to be able to do. And same, same with writing is, um, they're all very happy to, um, workshop with us and, and if we have ideas about how to record a character or what a performance might be there's a really lively back and forth um you know here at Polestring, which is really rad um and it like i said it's just a total gift and and, and working in previous uh studios and stuff like that um you know people people often even talk a game about really caring about audio or wanting great audio in their experience but sure. at the end of the day it kind of gets a back seat and uh and it's just not been the case here which is yeah. really really cool for the people that do come in in house here and work with you guys, what have you found is things that you always look for in? I mean, there's usually like unique aspects to the characters and like things that are kind of, you know, specific to each project. But when it comes to recording voiceovers, what are the kind of the things that you've taken away of like must haves, whether it's gear or software or working with people? What have you learned? What have you learned? That's a great question. Um, yeah, I want to think about that for a moment. <laughs> um, because recording voiceovers, you know, like we were saying before we started recording, like, I feel today recording your voice is, there's so many different ways to do it. Mm-hmm. People can have their own gear and, you know, even just the room that you have here, while it may seem very simple, I'm sure what you guys are able to record in there is definitely, you know, par with any other type of voice recording. So, 
Having having the room and having being comfortable, I yeah. think, is probably the best tool that we have here at Toy Talk, at Pulse Spring. Yeah. Um, being able to just jump in and be comfortable and get into it and, and, and iterate and just say, okay, that felt right. That didn't feel right. You know, we put it in game. We tried it. Yeah. You know, we came back. And we're like, okay, let's do it again. How many, like, I mean, how many sessions are you, for For instance, like something with 8,000 lines? Yeah. How long does that take? Oh, man. Many months um, uh-huh. and many sessions a week. So yeah. it's, it's really common. For a long time, we did three two-hour sessions a week Full, perpetually mm. and we were just mm. and we just basically have a dialogue pipeline that just kind of never ends so with, with the same person um so in the case of the winston show yeah we had this yeah. lead his name was winston the character um and uh, phenomenal actor dan clegg who mm. works in house as a writer and actor um i mean yeah he was on the mic you know six hours a week minimum um and so we were dedicating you know the studio resource to that and then uh, the editorial resource to that as well and like i said um you know we're editing dialogue at at a film level so it's very we're very 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 careful and meticulous with our dialogue um so yeah it's, it's a long it's a, yeah. it's a long effort there's a lot of hours that go into it but the product in the end um speaks for itself because like you said before you know um it's 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 that is our primary export that's what everybody's everybody's kind of looking to us to carry the experience forward um so it's really important that what lands in the experience is that and i would say that you know what i'd add to that is um and i'd have to credit our the the founder of the audio division here frank clary um with with really deciding how we would lay this out and how it would be scalable and what kind of gear we would use and um you know everything you see here in this room was in our previous studio and that was really all frank's vision um you know and and it really comes from the 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 skywalker lineage Um, Mm. you know he spent 10 years up there um doing audio at the highest level Mm -hmm. and working with you know um all of those guys and uh and he didn't cheapen that that quality level and he didn't lower that bar coming here even though our you know we're not doing feature films and for the longest time we weren't doing triple a uh game offerings but um that really was the bar and and continues to be the bar now that um now that i'm the director here as well um yeah what what are the microphones you tend to lean on what do you use so we use a we use a u87 um that's our primary workhorse through a avalon uh, 737 SP. Um, and then just recently we've been having a lot of fun doing two, uh, talents in the booth at once. So we mm. found that, uh, the title that we're working on right now without giving too much away is, uh, it's a love story between two characters and you kind of come in and interact and help them, um, navigate situations in their, in their romantic life and, mm. and through this, uh, this story that we're telling. And we found that, um, just having VO be traditional VO and just be, you know, a lot canned lines. Yeah. It just didn't read, especially yeah. if you were in, trying to get engaged with the, these two people and try to understand their emotions, trying to offer something. <laughs> the situation is way too intimate, you know? Yeah. For that to, for, to go line Who's by your line. audience yeah. at that for this? Like, what's the demographic? Yeah, I mean, Tom might be able to speak to that a little better. That, that's over my head. I mean, I do have an idea. Well, I mean, our, a, a yeah. love relationship to the aspect of, like, pre, like, teen or, like, what is, who is your audience, do you think? Yeah, I think it's going to be an older audience. Older audience, okay. yeah, yeah. I think, so. I, I think we're probably looking at the core being between, say, anywhere between, say, eighteen and thirty-six. Okay. Um, in that, in that, in that range, because I think the characters themselves, the 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 man and the woman who we're building the story around, I'm, I believe are are in their mid twenties, uh, early to mid twenties. So, I, but mm-hmm. I think this is a story that can resonate, you know sort of lower than that and and higher than that in terms of age range Mm. but it's 
you know, to I think to expand upon what Kevin was saying, it's it's unique in the world of gaming in that you know you, you I can't think, and I've been in the gaming industry for you know a lot of years before this, but I can't think of a time when or a game that was specific to exploring this exploring romance, exploring relationships in this way. And I think, as as Kevin was saying, so much of that is driven through the dialogue between these two characters. So I think that's what that's what will make this yeah. this experience unique. I mean, choosing your own adventure for relationships just seems like, well, you get on this path, you die. <laughs> this path, you survive, and you have dinner, and you don't. No one's arguing. Yeah, we've had interesting conversations mm. around fail states. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> like how hard do you want to fail? <laughs> like how bad do you want to get in trouble with this? You know, with your significant other. The end result is you lose either way, but it's just how hard do you lose? Right. Exactly. I mean, that's the thing about when you're talking about writing conversation, recording conversation. You think about what we're having right now. Yeah. It could go any direction. Right. So. I'm just trying to fathom the amount of content and the like. How do you how do you organize these conversations? Is it a spreadsheet? How do you even? Well, that's where Pullstring comes in. Yeah. I mean, that's that's the rad part about being part of. Um, so being part of a creative team that's informing a proprietary tool is yeah. something that I think a lot of game companies probably know about. Smaller game companies in yeah. particular. Um, and so we've we've been uh, us and the writers and the animators have been able to inform the development of this tool pullstring so it basically really caters to the idea of writing conversation and it and it plays out very nicely so the the way that it works is you know top to bottom uh, conversation tree that plays out with fallbacks and responses and um you know basically uh there's counters and markers and there's a lot of ways to track the position that the that the player will be in that conversation at that that time Um, and there's ways to recycle content, and uh, basically it's just a very fluid tool that's built just for that that purpose. Is it that helps a lot? I guess is this only usable for these types of games? How like, it seems that you could be the application could be really wide that for video games beyond just toys. I mean, it's, oh yeah, a hundred percent. I think that, that and that is a lot of the effort um, that we're starting to engage in as a company right now too is just really exploring what is that space? How big yeah. is it? Who else is interested? Um, and uh, from you know customer service bots to help desk bots to mm-hmm. uh, you know big game companies like uh, Microsoft or yeah, it would be my it would be in my imagination that um, almost every large game company or small game company could benefit from a really robust tool like this. Mm-hmm. Um, but then anybody in the bot writing business and uh, and and many many others uh, I think would would probably benefit greatly from yeah. from this tool set. I mean, it's just right now in today's world, we see things like VR coming on. Like you said, Siri is kind of like people's first introduction to what a friendly AI. It's funny how Terminator ruined basically <laughs> everything for us as humans of thinking about robots as helpful. But when you say it in that way and you think about, you know, I think, like you said, even customer service. Yeah. Um, you know, in your mind, what's what is the future of of like the type of applications we're talking about toys here so we think of toys we think of kids but adults and of ourselves we i think could really benefit from this type of interaction or this type of end user what in your mind what is the future what are the possibilities what have you guys learned by i mean you're trying to reproduce human conversation i guess yeah so it's pretty wide open it is yeah um yeah, I, I should I should turn to you, Mike. Yeah, I mean, I just I can't imagine a world where we're not talking to everything. Yeah, I mean, at this point, when we start even just talking to the thing that's in our pocket all the time, our square little box that yeah, you know, we can you know we get to talk to Siri, we get to talk to 
to Cortana. Mm -hmm. I mean, those these are the characters that are popping up, and I can't imagine that we wouldn't be talking to our our you know our houses. And um, I think that this is it's 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 going to be. It, this is this is the future. It is the future. I mean, we, we think of Xbox, PlayStation. Uh, there's so many other devices. Even our like Comcast remote with, I guess, this X1. I was like, wait, yeah. you can talk to your remote and it can find. Never would have thought that would have been useful, but yet that's the first thing. Convenience, I feel, is always for, I guess, maybe non-games or things that are just kind of everyday devices. You know, that's the future. So, you know. What is it exciting about doing this type of work? Because I just I I'm still getting caught up on the fact that yeah. there's so many possibilities of things that have to be recorded and taken yeah. account for. What is where do your your guys' heads go when you find out about new projects? I mean, for me, the most thrilling part is, um, and both Mike and I have experience doing um, voice fonts. You know, we do have mm-hmm. experience recording voices like uh, Cortana, like Siri, yeah. um, that are just super deep uh, voice fonts that can respond to anything. I think what, for me, the most exciting part is knowing that we're going to be part of a team that's creating a personality, giving a character Ooh. to a, mm. a responsive uh, device, whether it be your car or your house or your phone or your toaster or, right. or the, another character in, in the world that, of VR that you're exploring, whether it's your, you know, um, your captain and you're running around uh, the battlefield in a video game and that captain is actually a, a fictional character that you happen to be talking to on your headset. What's exciting for me is knowing that um, we're responsible for, for making that character engaging, giving that character... Mm the character portion of mm. themselves and yeah. and um and that's just an easy segue into the storytelling process because every character and every human every person has a story to tell um so that's an exponential um that's an exponential uh you know situation there where mm. you get to uh explore it endlessly and it go as deep as you could possibly imagine for that character's arc that char- that character story their background the future that they might be so for me um in terms of approaching my work that's the most exciting po- part is thinking about the characters that we might get to express and that we get, might get to create and that audiences will you know hopefully be experiencing in a new way characters don't know this um characters have never gotten to speak to audiences this way and audiences never gotten to you know you've never been able to speak to um you know mickey mouse you've never been able to speak to buzz and woody but you've also never been able to speak to um you know the hulk or iron man or you know these these other characters that are broader audiences that appeal to broader audiences as well um so it excites me to think about you know (laughs) like creating their their fiction and and creating the way that they might interact with people and, and, and interact in different situations Cool. And something that just got announced even this week was this Facebook platform for uh, Humani, Jesse's story. So tell me about the evolution of how this all came about, because it seems see, everything that we've talked about so far, and now we're applying it to Facebook. So how, how do these two worlds come together? Yeah, I, I'll attempt to, to explain that a little bit, and, and I might let Tom jump in. Um, but uh, yeah, thinking about the, the whole bot notion is... Um, People are already texting. People are already um, really comfortable and with messaging platforms. Um, you know, the idea that Facebook is going to be pushing out um, a potential character of ours on their their platform, or they are. They just have. <laughs> in the case of when this podcast yeah, lands, yeah. Um, again, that's just another exciting opportunity. I think, and I think that it was a natural um, response that the industry would have to. Um, the people that have already been working on the problem. Um, mm. I think that it makes sense for us to be in there creating those characters because we have been working with Polstring and we have been exper- experimenting with audiences. Um, and this is just a way that audiences really are already talking 
period, all day. You're already texting on your phone. You're already chatting in Gchat. You know, you're chatting on Facebook. Um, so introducing a fictional character in that space to me is, was a really natural thing to go do. Um, and I think that, uh, I'm, I'm, and again, I can't really speak to, to the to Facebook's response or the, the folks that we're working with there, mm-hmm. but, um, but I think that that's probably a really exciting thing for them. And, and I think that a lot of people are probably going to be going crazy with their imaginations now thinking, well, maybe our characters should be out there or mm-hmm. let's create characters for that platform. Or what if somebody popped into Gchat and was talking to you about, you know, whatever and exploring whatever universe. I don't know if you want to add anything to that, Tom. That's yeah, sort of my take on how we got there. I think you summed it up very well. I, I think, you know, from, from the beginning, Toy, Toy Talk, which is now Polstering, mm-hmm. we wanted to offer the opportunity to talk to all kinds of different characters on all kinds of different platforms. And I think this is a logical extension. Uh, Jesse Humani, uh, or what we call Humani Jesse's story, is a logical extension of that. And I think it's it's a really interesting proposition to, you know, to use Facebook Messenger for this kind of entertainment experience mm. um, and, and to have a conversation with a fictitious character like this, I think is, is a really interesting use of that platform. And I think a really interesting extension of, of, of what, of the way people are engaging these days. Mm-hmm. But I think, you know, you summed it up pretty well, too. So Yeah, and something that comes to mind is even, you know, Spike Jones's film, Her. When you think of, okay, the voice of an OS is Scarlett Johansson, not bad. <laughs> yeah. and, and there's a certain kind of experience quality of, you know, what what happens with that. And I think of even people's maybe first interaction, I think it was maybe stuff like GPS of, like, like garments, like in cars, where you'd have a very robotic, very, like the early versions was very kind of rudimentary. And yet now you have, you know, Darth Vader and Morgan Freeman or like, you know, <laughs> a really different experience. And now when I look at even, you know, apps like Waze or any of the other ones that are doing this, that people are starting to inter- interface with, you're giving, you're getting options like, oh, what's the accent? What's the tone? You know, all these things that you don't think really matter. But, you know, when you're in these situations, you actually realize it does affect the user. So, you know, for something like, like for this, for Humani, like what was, where what was that voice? What what it, what was that experience sounding like to you guys? Um, well, for me, uh, what's fun about Jesse, um, the character from uh, Humani, is that um, she's kind of you know she is a classic millennial. I think Tom just said it, um, and so she's sort of like inherently appealing, and and for us that are just slightly older, maybe for, I'm just slightly older than the millennial. Does she just stop and like like hold on a second? Like, <laughs> exactly. Like a text message, like, but... That's exactly. It. You know, she's just like her life's kind of a mess, but she's also super smart and super in touch, and and I think that there's a lot of like universal qualities about her that I think like an audience member would be interested in whether they are a millennial themselves or whether they're just genuinely curious or fascinated by (laughs) how that uh how that age group works and I think that um I think our writers have done a fantastic job making that character engaging and and really thinking about who Jesse is and how Jesse interacts with the world I don't know if have you played through it Mike yeah yeah it's it's hilarious yeah it's awesome you can't really have dinner without her taking photos (laughs) or food (laughs) just the classic so just take start taking selfies Always on uh, Snapchat. Always on Snapchat. Yeah. yeah, there's the interaction that that like stuck out to me was that she, you know I, I ended up texting with Jesse uh, on my phone in the back of a, a cab for the first time mm-hmm. uh, when I was testing the experience, <laughs> and she's sitting in a coffee shop, and she's supposed to be working on some issue with her apartment, and she's trying to figure <laughs> out her life. You know, she's doing these are important things. We're, we've all been there. And we're trying yeah. to like sort these things out in our life, and then she just stops it in her tracks, and she's like, "Oh, you know, some cute guy walked in," and I'm like, "Dude." 
like Jesse, get it. Like, and she's just like, should I, should I go talk to him? Like, no, you have to get an apartment before yeah. your wife falls apart. Like, but that does feel like I feel like I have family members that do that. I, I just, yeah, I know people that are just like, like priorities are just a thing. Life that, is unexpected. Did that get thrown away? Yeah. Right. Like, I feel like I have priorities. Maybe I don't know. No, but I probably don't. I mean, that's the thing. When I think of like we start talking about VR, like, yeah. or three D, even like something like we've we've seen three D has come and gone, and like we get it. But stuff like VR, stuff like this of AI. It's very new and it has not been tested of like what the possibilities are in very useful, practical ways. So I think, you know, the only way to represent it sometimes you're saying there's text, there's voice, there's potentially picture, you know, there's a lot of ways to represent it. But yet sound delivers so much information that's that you don't have to say much and you get it. I mean, that's really exciting. I'd, I'd assume that, you know, you're doing things behind in the background that are really informing the user of, you know, what what this experience could be like so um you know it's pretty exciting to be in this position I st- i'm still thinking there's only two of you and yet <laughs> it's like talking with with the wizard of oz here <laughs> yeah it's fun because um you know and, and even thinking about how i i might answer questions with you you know before yeah. before we started chatting what i want to say is you know polstering or the audio department at polstering is different because vo is the primary right export but you know as you mentioned um, you know, VO is the bread and butter for most audio engineers. Um, and in film, it's, you know, it's really the guiding force in, in many cases. And, um, and in video games too, it plays a major role. So VO is not VO or dialogue. It's really not, it's not novel to have it be a really, really important part of the picture. Um, so I can't set us aside that way, Mm. but you know, but it is really great to build something around that notion that we all know is really important in audio. We know that dialogue is really important. And um, and the double-edged sword that we always deal with is that it's always great to not have production dialogue. We don't have to clean our dialogue up. Yeah. You know, we're always in the booth. We always have complete control over how those those lines are delivered. We can re-record them a hundred times if we want. Mm-hmm. Um, and at the same time, recreating the onset experience. Um, you know, and people in animation know this all day. Um, and really getting something genuine when you're talking about just dialogue and just dialogue in a booth that was dry Mm. um, that is a major challenge as it is a gift so those are the things that we think a lot about and that's why we you know we have two talents in the booth so often now is to try to contextualize and try to give the characters um, a real sense on their own without us having to direct them you know and something that you'd see in in one of our dialogue sessions that you might not see at other companies or in other uh, Mm. in other studios is that our our directors are just always on the talk back mm. and they're because ba- they're basically you know they're basically taking the part of the user they're basically speaking on behalf of what the user might say later mm. um and really trying to put the actor in the space and like i said we have great actors and it, it, that and that's just a huge challenge and something that i think we're doing a really great job with as a company it's just creating that really realistic feel and um yeah just really bringing those characters to life i, th- I think that you know we have a lot to come out um this year and in the future that's going to be really engaging content mm. What can you say about your guys' backgrounds in terms of coming here? It seems it's kind of an acquired taste. Like, there's not really a training. I mean, there's obviously, like, fundamentals, like, of, like, recording voice. Like, this is not new. But yet, what we're talking about here, well, like, for you, Dave, or, sorry, Mike, um, for your background, what is it about where you came from and when you came here that yeah, made sense? I would say the biggest thing is just the the eclectic, um, you know, skill set that I gained working at um a studio in Soma called Pyramind. Mm-hmm. Um, I did uh, just so many different things there, um, from sound design to music to 
music editing to you know dialogue editing tons of dialogue editing um voiceover editing working on voice fonts you know managing pipelines all that stuff so i think that was like the the thing that kind of you know propelled me to be here and be successful here because there is there is that for us we're only a two-man audio team so we do have to kind of take care of everything so mm-hmm. um dialogue being the heaviest which was which was great from my background so yeah. yeah i'd say that just like being you know kind of a jack of all trades it's it's great too i mean obviously being here in san francisco there's a huge influence on technology so what, what do you guys find where do your heads go what, like what catches your attention when you think about the influence of technology on the work that you do i can't imagine that you don't go into a, a store and not see a toy and think about or any device really and think about a- any device i mean right. picking up any of the nintendo systems handheld systems those things have fantastic ui sound mm-hmm. just fantastic ui sound so it's like those those kinds of things are always cropping up for us um ui especially yeah because i feel like that's such a challenge when it comes to designing yeah it's like you coming up with really great ui well what is it about i mean trying to deliver something that someone hasn't heard before you know what what catches your attention? What do you find inspires you guys? Uh, for when it comes to that, like technology sound, uh, tech sounds, UI sounds, stuff like that stuff, sounds that you can hear over and over and over and over and over again, they still feel rewarding mm-hmm. to, to press the button, to to swipe left, to swipe right. You want to do it just to hear the sound. You know. That's, yeah, that's a challenge. You know, it's something that. Um, I know that Gary Rydstrom's responsible for you know a lot of universal sound design that we've heard on a lot of things, yeah. and um, and that that's so true. It's really like the mo- some of the most appealing sound are just these things that that you don't mind hearing over and over and over. Um, so really taking the time to hone those sounds and figure out how to make those and experimenting and going down roads and and creating lots and lots of sounds just to get to one that isn't obnoxious to hear a hundred times that always that is that's something that mike and i talk a lot about is just the fascination of like you know why does that thing not annoy you is it because it's really round or it's really warm or Mm. because of that it represents something organic or because it's it's not something you don't hear um in nature so that that challenge is a really fun and appealing thing and in tech yeah there's there's a lot of that um there's a lot of uh you know great ui and and that that's maybe the kind of the primary audio export in tech mm. at the end of the day because a lot of these a lot of the tech uh, offerings are um, you know, not film not games yeah uh, yeah that's awesome yeah thank you guys so much for taking the time to dig into this I mean I kind of went in this I didn't want to know too much because I feel like I don't people is usually I think what people are aware of they make assumptions just saying oh well it's just a voice but there's so much work that goes behind getting to that point to deliver and I think you know the future of what is to come of this type of technology and it's unlimited yeah it's just gonna continue to grow so it's great to catch you guys while you're only two i can imagine it's <laughs> multiplying <laughs> so yeah. i guess for more information i guess uh polestring.com thank you guys it was a lot of fun thank, thank you. you yeah you. right on